It's all cold down along the beach. And the wind's whipping down the boardwalk. <laughs> hey, man! You guys know what time it is? You guys all been good and practicing real hard, yeah. Clients, you've been you've been rehearsing real hard now. So Santa, bring you a new saxophone, right? Everybody out there been good or what? Oh, that's not many, not many. You guys are in trouble out here. <laughs> and you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town Santa Claus is coming to town Santa Claus is coming to town He's making a list, he's checking it twice He's gonna find out who's naughty or nice Welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with my friend Morris Sachs. How you doing, MV? I'm doing great. If there was any question why you received Producer of the Year, I think that just ends all doubt, right? You know, my wife said, I said, you know what? I'm like, should I do it? And she goes, you know, the show's not for everyone. I said, you know, you're right. I said, it's our show. And I said, you know, Morris, Morris loves Bruce. I love Bruce. I said, you know, we've come, we have, we have common ground. It's a great version of a great Christmas song. It's classic Bruce. He does his whole Bruce thing in the beginning. Oh, it's the wind blowing down at the beach. <laughs> okay, Bruce. Okay. <laughs> And then there's, I mean, there's Clarence, there's Clarence, there's Max. I mean, it's no jungle land, but it's it's a top-notch song. I was a huge fan until I read that when he wrote the song Racing in the Streets, one of the great, great, is it archetypal uh, songs of girls and cars? He couldn't drive a car the brilliance of his artistry a little okay. bit of a sense i guess what's the difference right you know yeah. even paul jones said i could teach you to paint but that won't make you picasso um you know there's um been a little uh movement on the on the uh on the comments section i thought uh, the last comment i read okay <laughs> merry christmas by the way let's keep yeah. in light of christmas okay i was raised the catholic okay so let me just give you a quick, quick rundown on catholicism and christmas okay all yeah. right christmas well i was taught that jesus was a jew okay his father was a carpenter okay yeah. so dude do you remember the bumper sticker that used to say my boss is a jewish carpenter no yeah, there was a there was a common bumper sticker that you would oh. see. Yeah, it's up there with like the fish and the coexist. But like, oh. I can remember one that said, "My boss is a Jewish carpenter." So that guy was a, was a Catholic, you know, and like that was a a true literal a literal interpretation of the Bible that you know Jesus's father was a a Jew. And dude, this this awareness to this goes back to your to your 
grievance and your burden, okay? The reason he was on the road, the whole story he was on the road is because they were rounding up the Jews to count the Jews and the, the yeah. Jews had to hit the road, okay? So that's yeah. how he ended up in Nazareth, all right? Yeah. So my my God, my God, okay, is a Jew, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so riddle riddle me that, Rabbi. Well, that's why, that's why you and I are, you know, brothers from another mother. I mean, I... I guess if you go to 23 and me eventually we all end up in the same place but that that's obviously being used by aliens right scam right. brains and stuff okay, but I, so before I forget like in light of Christmas can we avoid Hamas and can we not a, take a blowtorch to the comment section please but I have I have an idea I have an idea in the Christmas spirit okay instead of like a review of the year okay Perhaps we could do a review of the topic in question that was brought to light in the aforementioned comment section. How about that? How about that idea? Um, are you talking about the fact that you can't return your gold at Costco? <laughs> or the fact that um, someone's casting aspersions upon my returns? Um, I, you know... <laughs> It's like the guy said some things. I, mean, right. I read them, I reread them, and then I went back and read his previous work. And dude, it's not inflammatory, okay? And I remember initially there seemed to be like a humor to them. There was a really high quality heady, but like the the recent ones I had read were like he I'm not gonna say that he 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 stood up for net jets. Um but I, I look, let's he let's start year one at Greenwich Capital. What year is this? Give me the year. Well, so it's a little foggy because there we, there we no 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 I'll I, I I'm I'm prepared to discuss this. Um it's a little foggy because we meaning me and my cast of characters, accumulated this data when we were going uh, out to start a hedge fund. So all of this data was collated and vetted by a law firm called Seward and Kissel. Okay, you can look them up. And, you know, as with all of the hedge fund data, there's assumptions that are built in there and uh, I would say these numbers uh, are well within comparable approaches that others have taken. And, and keeping in mind, you know, this is not an effort on my part to raise money. Uh, this was an offhand comment that I made. Um, and uh, first of all, I'll, I'll stand by it, number one. Number two, uh, this, this information, if you work hard enough, is in the public record. If you don't believe me, you want to prove me wrong, you can dig it out. Okay, I'm not going to tell you how, because in our country, you're innocent until proven guilty. So, you know, go find it and prove that I'm wrong. The, the other bits of information to corroborate this return, again, this is not so much in the public domain, but I have every tax return back to 1982. And yeah, I believe you. <laughs> I do. And I since, know, I know. And since I've been paid on a formula for the bulk of those years, you can reverse engineer what I got paid. Now, all right, you said don't don't spend. People are going to spend the, from now until New Year's digging through. Digging through. Well, I you know, or you can just say they that's what they did. My question is, this is I think this is a better question. I don't know what what return number do we say twenty something whatever it is nineteen point two five okay yeah, something like that okay so I was thinking about this and you know I actually got a kick out of it so. It's basically me, a kid from the gritty south side of Chicago, public education, 
a man who was a customs officer in China, okay, a ski bum with a bachelor's in economics degree, a mechanical engineer, and a guy who was a baker restaurant manager, okay, and our best computer guy never even graduated college. Nice. What a team. Okay. We put that return up. So what's the wrong with the rest of you fuck nuts with the Harvard and the Yale and yeah. the super like I, like why weren't your returns better? What's wrong with you? You do had a bunch of shows. Do you think it's because you had such a small team? You think it's because it was just five, six of you and that you guys were like brothers? Do you think that you, you think that's gotta, you know? I think I wouldn't say it, it, this is a rare instance where you didn't phrase it eloquently, but I do think you got to the heart of the matter. We had an environment where everyone's goals were more or less aligned. People felt comfortable with their station in life. There was no moving up or moving down. You you got paid based on your performance. And so there was incentive for everyone to do well. And it, it worked great. Um, you know, I, I mentioned this to Cheryl, um, mostly because the red on the day guy is just Unfucking believable. The guy is just so good. But I'm, I'm especially with the woman whispering in the guy's ear and then the hair standing up. I, I just got a huge kick out of that. But I was saying to Cheryl, you know, this guy's impugning my reputation and then I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. She's going to, she says, you're going to do none of that. We're not having any dick measuring contests. Okay. And uh, so. Uh, I, I so again, as usual, Cheryl and I are in lockstep, as usual, aside from the running thing, which I won't address now. <laughs> well, you know, I, for many, many weeks, I wanted to make the comment about when I went to Greenwich Capital, I felt like they made me into a man. Time stamp that. What year is that? Give me, is it? 19... Uh, 1992. 92. Okay. Now, what do I mean by that? So, you know, you walk around, you talk to a lot of people, you know, that phrase, uh, trademark cocktail party bullshit, people make up the, so if you went in, if you were on the trading floor of Greenwich Capital and said, I could stuff a basketball. And someone says, no, you can't. And you said, yes, I can. Okay, I'll bet you 10,000 bucks you can't stuff a basketball. Not $100, not a nickel, not a dime, you know, $10,000. Okay. Go over to the gym. Did you stuff it? No. There's $10,000. And the numbers went up from there. So all of a sudden, this loose bullshit talk drifted away because all of a sudden, you know, it was the financial equivalent of a duel. So my conversation with Cheryl, I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll make some arrangement where under an NDA, I'll produce the records, but we're going to, we're going to put some money on. And that's where it went sideways. <laughs> so anyway, Trust but verify. Uh, plenty of people know us, and uh, but it, it did it, it, it a little it hurt my feelings a little bit. But yet, when we started doing this podcast three three years ago, a friend of mine said, "You know, look before you get going with this, understand a few things. These things very rarely ever come to anything, and if they do." Typically, they don't last very long because they're hard to keep up. And But he said, the worst thing is you're going to get a lot of mean comments, and a lot of them are going to be anti-Semitic. And the most shocking thing to me is how wrong that's been, 
the proliferation of wonderful emails from people, it's 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 heartwarming and and it it makes me, you know, uh, so that's why, you know, I get over it. I'll get over it. But we did we did very well. And for the points you brought up, we had a great team of people working together. And you know, when you get the financial markets, when you get them, I don't want to say they're not that hard. They're always hard, okay? But after you've been doing it in a while, if it's what you're meant to do, you you get in the flow. And and if you can combine that with some discipline, you know, you you tend to to do pretty well. Um there's lots of things in the financial markets that uh, give people an advantage when you understand the the ins and outs, like the getting into the weeds on stuff. You know, there there are, are, are simple things like if you do a, a trade with the Fed, you're allowed to swap collateral. Well. To 99% of people listening, it doesn't mean anything. But if, you know, I'm in a situation, I, I, I know I have advantage of that. You know, if if you short an option and it goes against you, you don't have to post money. You can post collateral. That's a big deal. Your, your money is always working. There's no limit move in delivery month on futures contracts. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of these arcane rules that most people don't know, don't pick up on. But when you have a group of guys like we have had, somebody's always going to remember that. And that was one of the benefits why when you had these crises happen, with the exception of the Thai bot, which we explained a couple episodes ago, the 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 crises tended to work in our favor because we would always be be um, angling asymmetrical trades in our favor. You, you see what I mean? So if if we're not short volatility or short options, but we're always long options, if there's a surprise and the market moves dramatically, if you have a call. It can go up an unlimited amount, but it can only go to zero, if, if which is good. If you're short that the option and something weird happens, is nishkit, right? I mean, you're you're fucked. So, based on certain generalized rules, which we wouldn't violate, you know, that kept us alive, and not only alive, but during the the. The scary times were generally when we we outperformed people magnificently. Dude, that's what because... I want. That's why I wanted the timestamp. I want you to go year by year, so you can say, "Look, in in two thousand and seven, X happened. S and P did this. They did this, and we did this, and so and so did this." Because those are just the numbers that you, that you can't argue with. Where other people had, you know, the pick a year. Well, you know, it's, you know? It's, a, it's a big. It's a big. It's a big ask. Because no, I know, I know. Years, but I'll give you a couple of examples that, that come to mind, if I might. Okay. So let's go and talk about the long-term capital. Because that that and then the second one, let's talk about 9-11. Okay. Are those those are two. I mean, if you Perfect. can think yeah. of others, I'm happy no. to talk to you. But those are the two that come to mind. So yeah. so in and I don't think there's gonna be anything new in here for those people who've been listening since day one, but the long-term capital thing, you know, we, uh, we meaning uh, um, uh, Robbie and I had a position in Russian T-bills and it was not uh, a meaningful amount, but we were under a lot of pressure to be involved in Russia. And, you know, we had like a, a I, can't remember, but I think we had a $25 million limit. And my joke was I made 20 million in Russia because I only lost five instead of 25. But the I remember telling the story. Cheryl and I were in Washington with the kids doing like the White House tour stuff. And Russia, Russia defaulted. 
And I remember saying to Cheryl, get the kids, you know, our first, we're rich, get the kids, let's, let's go home. Because we had all of this long end paper, we owned all these euro dollar options to protect against some sort of systemic problem. Again, bought an option, option worked. And whatever we lost in Russia, okay, was made up many times over on the option. How does that relate to long-term capital? Well, they got caught thinking they had no correlations because every trade was different, except the geniuses didn't realize that in a crisis, all correlations go to one. So every trade they had had to come off. And we had similar trades on. So those trades, we took it up the shooter. But again, we had so much long paper. I'm not going to say that we initially came out ahead, but it got us over the unwind process. And once they were out of the way, you know, it was, you know, just get out. The, it was supermarket sweepstakes. Just start running down the aisles and see how much shit you can throw in the car. Wow. Right? Yeah. So that was that was the long term capital situation. Again, we've repeated this. Um, the the nine eleven thing, and you know, I, I'm always a little tentative to how to talk about this because everyone, not everyone, but uh, the last time the comments were, you know, you bragging about how much money you make with all those people dying. I'm like, look. I didn't, had nothing to do with me, you know? I was just doing my job, you know, like an Auschwitz guard. <laughs> yeah, just doing my job, yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, you know, we're running our business and it was a very, it was a very steep yield curve, okay? Which meant, and, and a listener had asked about this and I don't think I'll get to the whole thing today, but in that environment, it behooved us to be long a lot of calls. Just the nature of the uh, way option pricing is structured, steep yield curves make calls very cheap on a relative basis, and therefore they make puts very expensive. But as we normally have on other trades, that can become discombobulated in time of crisis. It was our systemic approach to always be long a lot of these front end options. And so we're sitting there on September 11th, and all of a sudden the futures start going nuts, and you turn the TV on, and then there's smoke coming out of the building. And we're like, well, what the first thought was, it was a you know, like a, an accident, yeah, an accident, right? And um, I'm sitting there, and then I literally see the second plane hit the second tower. And now, you know, I don't know what the fuck is going on. It's like, is are we under attack? You know, there's a a plane head to the Pentagon. Yeah. And, um, again, uh. The market, people run to treasuries. In times of crisis, people run to treasuries. And so where a lot of guys might have gotten into big trouble because they had to close the exchanges, there was a problem in lower Manhattan with the Fed, right? We had to tape up, take a piece of paper and write the previous day's closes, tape it to the window so we could have a reference benchmark, right? In the meantime, these options that we paid pennies for were worth now dollars. Now, that I'm not going to claim no. that it's genius, but on the other hand, you got this guy, uh, Nassim Taleb. Yeah, 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 yeah. The black swan genius. Okay, well, yeah, is he a genius? Well, like maybe, then that makes me a genius because yeah. you knew that these options are systemically underpriced and and so those are a couple of the examples, but you know, we what, would what be, about Lehman Brothers? What about Lehman Brothers? Uh, same, same sort of thing. 
You know, one of the things that doesn't get spoken of much when we talk about the past was, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to survey the rest of the world. I'm not going to claim to be an expert on India or Russia or this or that, but, you know, there was a weekend where India and Pakistan were fighting over Kashmir. I don't know where Kashmir is. The only thing I know about Pakistan is the capital is Karachi. Um, I know I'll never go to India for obvious reasons. And, but I'm, it's like Friday afternoon and I look and all these guys are short a bunch of shit and I had a meeting and I'm like, no, nobody's going home short of all when you have two countries with nuclear missiles pointing at each other, you know, get out there and cover the fucking thing. And, you know, nothing ever came of it, right? But if something had, we would not have been in dire straits. Yeah. Um, when we talk about uh, large positions that would go awry, um, you know, generally we would set things up to have some sort of exit strategy or event or a, a way we could withstand, uh, you know, an ill wind or however you want to describe it. Do you have um, any near misses that you can think of? Well, a, a couple. One was the, the Japanese government bond, uh, you know, thing where they uh, they conspired, colluded, whatever, to fuck the closing prices. Um, another near miss, and this would not have been a, a career under, we ended up losing a lot of money. The, um, the mortgage department came and did a deal in the UK where they bought a bunch of loans from this housing development. And they were called fresh bonds. And it was nothing really more than um, a European version of a mortgage-backed security. And this is back when Greenwich Capital felt like a partnership. And um, so they bring this deal, I don't know, seven, 800 million. And it's new and there was really no appetite for it. So the head of the mortgage group called me up and said, look, can you buy a hundred million of these from me? You know, I can't promise you, I, I will not guarantee, I cannot guarantee you, you won't lose money. But in the end, trust me, it'll work out and it'll be a big help. I'm like, okay, bought a hundred million. I don't know, X amount of months, weeks later, he's fired. And I'm lugging around these stinking bonds that nobody wants at all, right? And we carried them and carried them. And I carried them for, you know, 18 months or something like that. And we marked them down and marked them down and marked them down. And one day, you know, they just got to a level that was like, just tying up too much capital and we blew them out. Yeah. Just, just a total suck ass price, and you know, was that a near miss? Yeah, it wiped out, you know, a third of the year, maybe, or something like that. We we had a unique system, uh, which I don't think people uh, really uh, understood. So, um, you would be given an individual stop loss. So. You were free to play in your sandbox. You had limits based on risk, value at risk, balance sheet, that kind of thing, cash usage. But within that, you were pretty much free. But you had a, a, a limit, a stop loss. And once you got close, the manager would have a chat with you. And if you hit it, you 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 were out. There was no there was no discussion. And um, 
so what would happen would be January 1, you have zero PL and you have your stop loss and get going. So as the year went on and you started to build up a little PL, you could literally add that to your stop loss. So if your stop loss was five million and you're up three million, well, you can lose eight before you get stopped out, right? So as the year goes by, I think interesting things happen. One is you can start to incrementally take more risk because mm -hmm. you have more capital. But this to me was one of the more fascinating elements of a manager is the human being's inflection point for income. So let's say you get to that point where all of a sudden you know if you do nothing the rest of the year, you're going to get paid X. And you don't want to risk losing a dollar in return for making a dollar, right? That Let's call that the inflection point. Okay. So for me as a manager, let's say I have Trader A and he gets there in, in March, in three months, and he's done for the year. Well, now I got a guy that's tying up resources for the rest of the year, right? Which is a wasting asset. So my goal or my objective was to try and find guys that I could incentivize them to move that inflection point up a little bit further. And, you know, if guys weren't going to budge, you know, I could subtly reallocate their resources. But, you know, I was the plug guy at the end. So everybody got paid full boat before I got a penny. Okay. After everyone got paid full boat I, ab above the benchmark, then I, I got everything. So it was this battle between trying to keep everybody incentivized to make money, right? But not blow up the place because the platform, the, the platform at Greenwich Capital, in the in hindsight, wasn't quite as excellent. But that, and I'll explain why in a minute, but it's no secret that Wall Street firms keep half of the revenues for compensation. So half as in 50%, right? Okay, you with me so far? Hedge funds pay 20%. So when we made money at Greenwich Capital, the firm, not Morris Sachs, but the firm got to keep half. So if you were going to leave to go work at a hedge fund, you're you got an awful high hurdle. Now, the most of the traders got paid 20%, which was what hedge funds took in gross. Okay, so how, if a hedge fund's taken in 20, how is he going to pay the, the trader 20? Well, there's other scams that the hedge funds play on their, their uh, investors, which is a pity. But so anyway... I we were determined not to blow up that platform, right? In hindsight, the guys who've made the mega money, okay, um, they said, fuck it. They went out and they raised billions of dollars. And all of a sudden, they're making more on that 2% on the assets and then the 20% on the ups, right? And yeah, it's a, it's a different way of going. The world changed. And, um, you know, at that point, talk about inflection points. You know, me and my gang, everyone was generally pretty happy with how things were working. And um, so there wasn't a big incentive to go and start uh, um start a fund. Now, ultimately, uh, a few of us uh, went and started a fund and gave me some limited experience in the hedge fund industry. I, I can tell you, it's 
it's the biggest lie since blowjobs aren't sex. And and I, I don't know which is worse. I, I mean, anybody who gives money to a hedge fund is a, is just, in my mind, just doesn't get it. They don't. They don't get You've given it. Your I, money to hedge funds, haven't you? Given your money? <laughs> yeah. In fact, I knew you were going to bring that up. No. I, I, I knew you were going to bring that up. September fourteenth of two thousand and eighteen, I put in my redemption. Okay, <laughs> I still don't have all of my fucking money back. How many? That's five years. That's five years. What did you sign? How's that a lot? How just the standard agreement? It was nothing different than every other hedge fund idiot. So, so here's the deal: five years. You give me a bunch of money, okay? I keep twenty percent of the up, okay? You keep eighty, but you get all of the down. Okay, right. Well, right. by the way, even if I don't make any money, I still get my two percent. Plus, and I'm not even sure how deep this goes. There's a whole ton of, of expenses. I didn't realize this. I mean, I don't even have this right, but there's a ton of expenses that get billed directly to the investor that don't come out of the 2% that you're paying the hedge fund guy. Nobody's reading those. Nobody's reading those statements. You're not reading the statement. <laughs> I remember being in some of these meetings with these fund of funds. These are these people. These are the pimps. It's just to put it in, just to put it in, you know, common knowledge. They go around meeting hedge fund managers for their investors. So they're, you know, talk about a drug that's been stepped on nine times. These fund of fund people are, they're dumb as a rock. They are I mean, and that's being mean to a rock. It's just, it's just, it's shocking to me. And and I guess, you know, you can't even call me a bitter old man. I, I'm happy. I, oh. I mean, like, I haven't worked. When did I stop working? Like 10 years ago? Good. This is fucking awesome. I know. I know. Did that, you? So you had a block. Like, if you stopped working 10 years ago, and like, when did you, how long did you work at Greenwich Capital? 92 to what? Uh, oh eight. Yeah, oh eight. Okay, yeah. So sixteen yeah. years. Is well, I I was at that. Uh, I worked at Bobo's place for three months. Yeah, yeah. And then I was with Robbie and EG for a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Robbie and EG was more. You know, my job was to be the gray hair guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, no, I I haven't collected a paycheck in a long time, and. Um, yes, this is fucking great. This is the thing that the hedge fund guys, I don't, I don't think really get. And, and don't get me wrong. You know, it's like, why are group rides always turn into races? It's right. Because people get caught up in the moment and they want to, they want to, you know, get out the, the big swing and dick thing. And so the hedge fund guys, it's like, oh, they're so competitive. I want to make the most money. I want to make the most. Well, you know, for someone at 63 now, I'm looking at the fact that the most valuable thing is not money. It's it's time and freedom. And I can't tell you how wonderful it is. And this is bragging. I don't have to listen to anybody i don't have to do anything and just go do what the fuck i want to do you know i'm not sitting there on the crackberry i'm not wondering like you know is that investor gonna pull or what's jerome paul gonna say i can sit here and talk to my buddy about the fact you know right now you know the two-year note which yields whatever yields is is pretty good i still think it's pretty good and and you know I, but for all of those hedge fund managers, listen, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. It's not too late, okay? You can turn your life around. Stop. Stop, stop working on the side of dark and evil. Let me, let, let, me put, let me put Bob, let me put the Bob Cobb comment to bed now that we spent the whole show on it, okay? Let me put that comment to bed, though, because if he's going to, 
if he's going to call into question the numbers at Greenwich Capital, like you said, you can go find the numbers, but like just just let's just broad, you know, uh, broad, broad, broad brush. You had no down years. You had no down years. No. Okay. Broad brush. No down years. Okay. We, we ne- there was never a, a year where it was like, oh, you look at everyone else. You, you go through the who's who. Okay. So maybe Warren didn't. And maybe, okay. So we use, so Warren's name was used. Sorry. Okay. And he, and, and he didn't say he was better than Warren. He said Warren was better than whatever the comment was. I mean, I'm going to dissect it. Okay. But you no bad years over the course of 16. And some of those numbers were gaudy. I, Correct me if I'm wrong. I showed you that thing at one point, right? Yes. Okay. Now, uh, keeping in mind, this is not a fundraising pitch, and I'm not going to tell you there may not there may not have been some mistake in here. Maybe the way the the month or the year got structured, maybe maybe there might have been a down. I don't know. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I, I, I I just. It was pretty straightforward. It, it, <laughs> in that model of you start out at zero, okay, and you build, you build, you build. So the the, the trader, okay, my job got easier as a risk manager as the year went on because all of a sudden the trader's got his own skin in the game, right? So if he loses money in October – that's coming out of his paycheck. If he loses money in January, that's coming out of me. So, you know, I I, I don't know. Um, it's silly to argue about the, I know. the numbers this or that. I, I, I think that what you and I've tried to do, by the way, which I, I think mission accomplished is, you know, try and create a environment where we can talk about investing, which can be complicated, okay? And in no way can anybody claim there's an ulterior motive. We don't take any advertising. We don't take any interviews, right? We There's no commercials. I mean, there's nothing, right? It's just two guys having fun talking about the markets and trying to spread some, some ideas or wisdom and you know, if you don't like the show, yeah. it's fine. It's 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 fine. But, yeah. he, had a, he had a little bit of a snarky comment about the plane too. He said, "If like if the numbers were so good, where are the billions and where are the bigger planes?" Well, that, that's an easy. That's an easy. That's an easy one. Let me let me answer it. Let me answer it. Okay, let me answer it because I want to talk about the plane a little bit. Okay, so first of all, he doesn't need the plane anymore. Okay, we don't need the plane. Number one, owning the plane is a money suck. Okay, unless, number one, so first of all, let me walk you through this. Let me go back in time to when I met Morris and I was, we were just two guys on a bike. And it was like, yeah, this is Morris. Okay. Somebody's like, oh, Morris is very rich. Okay. Morris has a private plane. Okay. Wow. So as time progresses, okay. I learned that the brilliance of the whole fucking thing is that Morris doesn't own a plane, okay? Cheryl and a company own the plane, okay? So the plane operated as a business, okay? It wasn't like Morris was like, I'm going to go to Tahiti today on my jet, and I'm going to run up a giant bill. No, the plane worked six days a week, and the seventh day it flew Morris where he wanted to go. So that was the beauty of it, okay? And then the beauty of it, you had it for how many years while the girls were from when to when? Uh, Yeah, The meat. 12, 10, 12, 12 years. years. Okay. The, the one I like, it's a little bit simpler. You will recall uh, we had dinner with Leon Cooperman, who maybe we can call his returns into question, but he was flying JetBlue to Florida. So do I. Shut up. So not, do I. Not everybody spends their money like a drunken sailor. Yeah, 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 the plane thing. I just, I love the plane. I always just love the plane that you, you know. Yeah, I, lo- I love, I love, yeah, I love it too. The problem is, it's like the fucking bills. It's like exactly, bills, dude. Bills, like, bills, bills, no? bills. but um, I don't know. I, I know there's a number of hedge fund managers, actually, who I know listen mm-hmm. that have 
a lot of money. Never charter a private plane. Yeah. So anyway, I think we. I just love that. I just always love that, you know. And dude, you would never know the way you operate. No one would ever know, dude. So okay, so what? He doesn't. He drives the Porsche, but like you were so honest. I drove a. I drove a Subaru for six years. <laughs> I drove, I drove the nanny Subaru for six years. Nobody talks about that. Dude, I, I did the, even then you drove, I know what you graduated to like an Audi. You drove to the Audi all road <laughs> wagon. But the best part about that was that you put the engine as the vanity plate, whatever. Yeah, that was good. I like that one. TFE 731. Yeah. No, you, I thought it was PW. I thought you that was the second. That was the Porsche, the PW yeah. 305A. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, yeah, Bob, Bob, leave us alone, Bob. We love you, dude. You're great in the comments, but what do you want him to do? You want him to, like, post the thing? It's 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 a block of years, dude. It's it's analog on a spreadsheet. It's okay, and it says 1996. There's 10 numbers, and then at the end it says plus 27%, okay? And there's 16 fucking lines of that. I don't know what else to tell you. And then he quit. <laughs> And then he quit. He'd had enough. He went to Brevin Howard and said, no, thank you. I'm not working at this. He said, goodbye. All right, I'll go help, EG. This isn't Willie Mays falling down in center field. Not yet. Not, not yet. Are we, uh, we going to talk about anything other than just... Yeah, crap. I want, yeah, we're going to go to the casino because you talked about the inflection point, okay? And there's okay. no greater inflection point than than in the casino when when the, the chips... All right, so... Okay? So I was enamored with uh, gambling when I was younger. And um, there used to be this, talk about white trash. There used to be this deal where on the on like Friday, you could go to the Port Authority and for 20 bucks, take a bus to Atlantic City and they'd give you 20 bucks worth of chips. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So... I I started learning about craps and I read about how the probability of a six or an eight is greater than the probability of a seven. And everyone knows once the point is made, you don't want a seven. So the idea of this method would be you'd bet money on the six and the eight and um, over time, vary your wagers, but in theory, over time, you, you could make some money. And I would say empirically, I found that in my experience to be true, not gigantically. Like if you wanted to stand there all day, you could make like a hundred bucks an hour, <laughs> but you had to stand there all fucking day, right? But, but intellectually, I knew that, you know, ultimately the house, you can't beat that edge, right? Um, I was just sort of getting a little bit lucky. And um, eventually I got, you know, realized how pathetic it was to sit on a fucking bus going to Atlantic City. I was only 20 something, so you got to forgive me. Yeah. But what struck me is kind of cool and I turned this into a little bit of a parlor trick. So you guys haven't seen this, but I sent Liam a picture of me holding a stack of casino chips. And so this parlor trick thing is, I've done this, I think, three th three times. I've done it a couple of times with my climbing buddies and once with one of my kids. And I, I walk up to the crap table and I'll take out, I don't know, four or 500 bucks. And I'll get get a bunch of chips and it operates like this. So if you go onto our webpage someplace way long ago, there's a chart and it shows what I think people are going to call the weak law of large numbers. Now I, I saw this from a YouTube video which is also posted on the website. So basically, you know, the the average thought is if you flip a, a flip a fair coin, you're either going to, you know, 
half the time you get heads, half the time you get tails. Okay, so let's say you do it 10 times. Well, you may not get five and five, you may get six and four, four and six, seven and three, three and seven, yep, up, up, okay. But if you flip a coin 10,000 times, okay, which you can do easily through a random number generator, right? This, and it's up there. This professor showed over something like 10,000 flips, you will get runs where there's a huge imbalance of way more heads than tails or way more tails than heads than the 50-50, right? But by the time you go from zero to the 10,000th, you're back to roughly 50-50. What did I take away from this? I took away from it that even in the random, completely random set of numbers, okay, you're going to get streaks. You're going to get another simple way of putting it is you're going to get the guy at the crab table who gets on a hot roll. And so what I would do would be just stand at a crab table for a while or I would try and find the noisy one because those are the ones where there's activity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, streaks. And so, you know, I'd stand there for a while and everyone would be impatient. Come on, let's go. No, no, I want to. And all of a sudden, some I would just get this thing like there would be some, you know, strange looking guy. All of a sudden he's rolled three points in a row. And then I would I would bet all the numbers. You know, they would say the phrase would be like 54 across. And so he'd start rolling and he didn't make his point or make a seven. He kept hitting numbers. And so I had bet all the numbers. And when he would hit, I would leave it. I would say, but press the bet means take the winnings and keep it on. Okay. So we'd get one of these streaks where the guy might roll 20 rolls and, you know, I happen to hit press, 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 press. And eventually they'd be like, all right, enough. And I'd get all this money and I'd, I'd, I'd walk out and, you know, whoever I was with would be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And, you know, there were times I, I got blown out right away. But just as luck would have it, never when people were watching, when people were watching, it would work. But the math is the math, right? And um, I don't know. It, it, I, it, dude, I can feel the energy that you're that you talk about at that table, dude. There's no better energy when there's always, dude. It's always a, especially in Atlantic City. So like you, you, you probably don't know this. You haven't been to Atlantic City, but like Atlantic City, it now has guys from Philly, and guys from Philly have a really dark trademark beard. All right, so there'll be guys that are six five around. So I have no, I can't get to the table. I'm five, I'm five eight one seventy five. I'm not getting next to it. All right, because there's like the the old line from the Eagles is around the craps table along with their assorted women and entourage. Okay. But that energy and you can hear them do the numbers and the, 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 the dealer and the two, the croupiers, whatever that are working. Yeah, right. watching, the dealers, yeah. Yeah. That energy is so electric. And you talk about those runs, dude, when you see it, like, epic. it's so epic. let me ask you this. And when you walk by that roulette table and you see 10 reds roulette? in a row. Roulette? Roulette. So you see 10. No, I'm just asking. So this is the same number question. You see 10 reds in a row. Do you, you, you do the I, black or the red? I don't. I, I, I don't know. It's I, just the number question. That's like, so I like mathematically it works in the crap. So it's amazing. Though. Well, I, it could work with the roulette. I don't know. I just yeah. never focused on that because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. the roulette thing always seemed to be a little bit like for losers. I, I just oh, didn't yeah. feel like there was much. It's of just a... the human nature. I wonder, like some like guys will walk by and be like, oh, you bet the black. It's a no brainer. It's like the black's going to hit. He just hit 10 reds in a row, you know? Yeah. Well, th that gets into the, you know, it's N equals one, right? Oh. And, and my whole thing, whether it's, Trading, gambling, relationship, health, life. You never want to be an N equals one, right? Ever, ever. Do whatever you can to avoid N equals one. 
because you don't ever want one shot. Yeah. One yeah. shot can take you out. And yeah. that's to me why, again, for the 9,000th time, selling options. Like I, I posted the paper, okay, on our website two years ago, underlined why they even admit the model doesn't work. Yet people, and, and they got a Nobel Prize for it. Yeah. I don't know which is more ridiculous, that or, or, or Obama getting the Peace Prize. I think it's a jump ball, frankly. But he, I heard he kept the I heard I heard he kept the uh, the Harvard president from uh, from getting the axe. Okay, I, I heard that he he's the one that kept, that said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, she stays." Okay, I, I'm sure you haven't followed the Harvard drama. A little bit, a little, a little bit. bit. Okay, okay, so a little bit. They've been calling for her 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 ousting and apparently Barack was the one that said I put her in I put the other one in and you can't take her out that's what I've heard I don't want to end the Christmas show on that shit anyway though okay, um, well, we can talk about Joe Biden because he was a plagiarist oh stop please plagiarism oh, he did you know we started with the list of plagiarists oh please how many lies have the politi- a politician lied and plagiarized no I don't know how Harvard I mean, forget it. It, it. It's just, it's such a, a exogenous event that the, there isn't their symbol like truth. <laughs> there you go. It's like, let's dangle these shiny keys in front of people. Do you yeah. think this is, this borders on crassness, but do you never, I, I was going to ask oh, if, you thought, if you thought, if the president of Harvard wasn't a minority, that they would still have that job? Oh, zero chance. She only okay. got the job because she was a minority. That's a, that's like an on the record fact. Other other black professors at Harvard have come out and said, "Why should she get a DEI pass when I'm black? I did the work and I didn't get the the promotion." So it's now you've now you, that that's like a classic in support someone that deserved to be moved up is like this this person plagiarized hasn't written like hadn't written a like hadn't hadn't didn't and now you got me talking about it but like doesn't have a published like published work as a, as an academic and they're like this is the president of Harvard doesn't have a published paper or something like that but like i said she got installed by somebody and has a friend and she's protected and bill tried to take her out bill couldn't get her out Okay, Bill Ackman. Yeah. Well, he don't. He, you know, come on. He's not. He doesn't care anyway. Um, but you know, we did such a good job delving into politics last week. I just thought I could mention one thing, which is a little bit. I, it, Go ahead. So I looked up, and now because I'm getting old and I don't remember, but I think Harvard has an endowment of fifty billion dollars. Sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Now, we are free market guys here at Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. If people want to give their money to Harvard Endowment, that's great. But you and I are supporting that because they get a tax deduction for that. Now, that's the law, okay? And that we're believers in the law because without laws, we live with the animals, right? But this is what this is the point I want to make. So, for instance, um, they have fifty billion dollars sitting, run by as leveraged asset managers. Okay, so let's put it into a more real situation. Let's talk about breast cancer. Okay, probably the most significant disease in my mind, because it affects half the population and it affects the important half. The women could get by just fine without us. Okay. Okay. Now, why is there a cure for breast cancer? Because they threw so much fucking money at it, rightfully so, that now the cure rate is like 90%. 
So while Harvard is sitting on $50 billion earning income to support a woman who is, a, 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 you see what I'm getting at? Take yeah. the 50 billion, okay? Yeah. And do something with it. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's get rid of, you know, uh, I don't know, diabetes. Let's get rid of, you know, skin cancer. Let's feed the poor. Let's, but why are you, why do you need $50 billion? And yeah. you know what? The, Yale, Princeton, go down, go down the list. These people, what are they doing? You go to these college campuses, it's, the river to the sea, and they're building these huge fucking buildings. I, I went to Northwestern to visit with, with the girls. No, oh, this is like, it, it, it's shocking what they built up over the years. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, come like, on. Like a compound, dude. Yeah, like, well, it's, it, it's in the, it's in, Northwestern's in the city? Yeah. Oh yeah, towers. It abuts. It abuts Chicago. Yeah, but whether it's it, it's any of these schools, you know, if you need five billion to get you through a rainy day, yeah, I'm I'm fine. Fifty billion, and you're paying guys, you know, a couple million bucks a year to manage the money for you, and whether they're Harvard employees or they're giving the money to Citadel. Yeah. Guys are getting paid millions of dollars personally to manage that money. So if I ran the world, which is imminent. <laughs> not out of the question. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not going to stick my hand up. But if if people ask. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to see you, buddy. Merry Christmas. All right, pal. All right, dude. Um, is that it? Is that it? You, what? You're watching the clock and you got to go? You got dinner? I don't know. I, I, I'm i completely lost. What day is it? You just, you just nailed the one hour mark, but I don't want to end on really? I'm not ending on Harvard on Christmas. We need something uplifting, okay? Um, Well, there's fish coming up. yearly recap. You did, you did okay this year. Can we go through the year? Before you, before everybody shuts off the show, where you, where you, because when you start talking about fish, okay, because you did okay, all right, you did, a, you had a good year, right? I'm confused. Is this a trick question? <laughs> you mean the fact that we called the market pretty good? Thank you. The two yeah. you know, yeah, yeah I, I, this is one of the few years of my whole career. I felt like I got it right. I do. I feel good about that. I didn't make personally a huge ton of money. I, I had, I think I was up 10% this year, but I, you know, I mean, I, I'm a retired old guy, you know, unlevered. Um, but no, I, I think we did a nice job, you know, just like that saying, you know, you can't tell whether it's June or July, but you can tell if it's August or December. Yeah. I like that. And and I think Dr. Lacey Hunt painted a very nice picture. And uh um yeah, so but I, I think for me, and I hope people see this who listen, is our weekly discussions have now become part of my process. Like the things we talk about, because you know. I might make a couple of idiosyncratic notes about what to talk about, but concepts, not, yeah. not, it's not a speech, but the fact that we talk about things and suss them out and draw on threads, I've found that in, in a lot of ways, that was the secret sauce with the guys at, at Greenwich. You know, you just start talking about stuff um, and you never know where it leads. But it only happens with people you respect and you trust. But most importantly, you have to align the the what's the word I'm looking for? You, you the outcomes. You want everyone to be pulling in the same direction, making sure that their interest that's that their interests are aligned. And if you can do that you you you're, you're going to do great
All right, pal. What was that? Was that better? Can I ask you one, one thing? This thing with the Jesus Christ with the birthday and all that. Why is it when I see pictures of Jesus Christ, there's always, he's always got a, a crucifix around his neck. Oh, I thought you were going to ask why he was a handsome white male. <laughs> no, Carry me that. How come he's always like a, he's sometimes I see him with blue eyes and he's always. He looks, I, asked, he looks I, asked, handsome. I asked somebody once why the Virgin Mary was pure white and she lived in the Middle East. <laughs> the guy who I love almost decked me. And I meant no insult whatsoever. But I'm like, they didn't have sunblock back then. I don't know. How do you not get tan? These are fair questions, okay? These are all fair questions in my book, okay? Um, yeah. Merry Merry Christmas, folks. Have a nice everyone that's going to midnight mass, okay? Oh, <laughs> I I have somebody right on the day said he's going to listen to the show at midnight mass, okay? So, <laughs> So there we go. We're going to wrap it up in an hour. Nothing's better than a, than a one hour mass. Okay. Oh, there was some. Uh, I guess I I don't like to give bad financial news around Christmas, but it was a tough year because of the increased costs in legal and compliance. Uh, there won't be Christmas bonuses. We know. And we're gonna. And the worst part is we're suspending. The matching 401k. Okay. Next, so, we won't be able to play intro music. We won't be able to afford the intro music. That's we, we, <laughs> the fish bills have been piling up. That's why we had to, we had to use we had to rip off some Bruce tonight. <laughs> oh, one of those guys who's it? Don Henley. He's yeah. litigious. Don't like he'll sue you. Me, right. me, the show, the show, easy with with me. Oh, it's, isn't it ibwalk.com? Now it's us. Now it's... Oh, oh, it's the royal we? Yeah, exactly. All right, take care, kid. All right, pal.